Karen Deedling, your host of Word Up, a show about healers and healing. And I am so honored to invite Dr. Greg Hitter to the show today. I've just spent an entire weekend doing his workshop on self-questing. And Greg, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you. I'm really honored to have you. And I'm so impressed with your work. And what's so unique about what you do is that you have a doctorate in psychology, in clinical psychology, yes, mm -hmm. and you have education in quantum physics. I, I have a physics background, yes. In, yeah. and, and it all goes really beautifully together. Absolutely. And I'll be asking you more about that. Great. But what is so intriguing is you actually, in many ways, left the field of psychology to do self-questing because yes. it was better. Yes. And that just fascinates me beyond. <laughs> I'll get out. We'll get into the details of better. <laughs> and what led you to self-questing, to finding it, to developing it? It's your system. It's your methodology. Methodology. It's your baby. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a way, I, I mean, I was trained. Uh, I trained with people who did work with fragmented consciousness in various ways. And even, even just that little bit, the fragmented consciousness, yeah. um, that's, I, I imagine I could ask you about that for hours. Could oh, you talk yeah. a little bit about fragmented consciousness yes. and what that, what that means? What an ordinary person who hasn't, you know, doesn't have a clinical psychology degree or has studied this? Well, most people are, are aware that a traumatic incident can cause a repression of thought and emotion, mm -hmm. you know. That's, that's very much the, the basis for what's called dynamic psychiatry and psychoanalysis mm -hmm. and emotional, uh, emotive cathartic therapies, yes. you know. Um, that's what I call level of mind. And in terms of causality, above that is subtle energy or what Rupert Sheldrake called the, the morphogenic field, mm -hmm. the form generating field. But what's above that is consciousness, awareness, and and these what I'll call lower levels of being, energy, mind, body, uh, manifest and are directed by consciousness, mm -hmm. and so in profound ways. Oh, very yes. Yeah. I mean, so when when a person has a negative uh, emotional state or experience uh, after a trauma, mm -hmm. what's happened there is it isn't merely emotions that have been repressed, mm -hmm. positive emotions, uh, into the unconscious and trauma to try and forget it. So someone will repress the positive along with the memory? Or yes. Okay. And, and the, the point I'm getting to is that it's the consciousness, it's part of their self, part of their awareness that has actually split off and been pushed into the unconscious. And when you say the self, I... I know what you mean by the self, but yeah. um, it's a really profound concept, and I wonder if you could just expand a bit on what the self is as you're explaining your modality. I, I borrow from, uh, I guess, Jung's view of the self with mm -hmm. a capital S, and by that he meant the unity of one's conscious being mm -hmm. that one came th to through this through life in this process he called individuation. Yeah. And uh, it was an exploration, in his view, through archetypes uh, and coming to the self. And self-questing, as I do it, the self-questing approach to healing states of consciousness, it, rather than archetypes and, and levels of the mind, I focus more on the consciousness itself 
and trying to retrieve that fragmented consciousness. Yeah. And would you say consciousness of the self is maybe close, more closely intertwined with the soul? Yeah, I, I think that's another uh, word or another sort of paradigmatic approach mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, more religious, and, and you can talk about it as spirit or soul, certainly. And how did you stumble across this uh, this invention? How did you invent self-questing? Well, I trained, uh, it's sort of a long story, but I, I um, through people I knew in Los Angeles uh, that I was connected to uh, through the psychotherapy practice I had back in the early 90s. So you were a practicing clinical psychologist <clears throat> in private practice? Yes. Uh, I was wow. being supervised um, by another, by a licensed psychologist, <laughs> and I was what, what was called a, a psychologist's assistant. And uh, um, uh, I was in training to gain the hours toward my licensure. And seeing regular clients, that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> I was probably seeing them about 15 to 18 hours a week, That's typically. For a new clinician. <laughs> well, it, it's it, a recipe for burnout. <laughs> it, it built up a little bit, but I was also working in the, in the field of engineering from my physics wow. degree at the same time. So a little engineering, so. little clinical psychology, just an ordinary week for Greg. <laughs> yeah. And then there were the graduate school classes and uh, writing the dissertation eventually and studying for the, the final exams for my PhD. It was a bu very busy time for me. Yeah. And, and it it worked together even though, you know, in my earlier life it seemed like I was going over here and experiencing this, like peak states of consciousness, mm -hmm. and then going over here uh, and studying physics and quantum physics, and then going over here and studying psychology, and I, I had interests in all of those. And they really can but, blend in what I've noticed about most healers and um, psychologists and psychotherapists and mental health people that usually the best of them are lifelong learners and yeah. that is certainly They're sort of renaissance in, people you yes know, interested you're in always learning and need to know mm -hmm. yeah. you spoke and um in our weekend about the tree of life and kabbalah and so many different traditions and yeah. of course Jung and yes and so you you drew all of that while you're maybe knowingly or unknowingly creating self-questing. Yeah, you know, it was, a, like I said, a very winding path at mm -hmm. first. And, and um, while my, my heart was in all of it, my curiosity, at times it felt even almost hopeless to me. Like, where is this all going to come to fruit? You know, how can it possibly be, you know, come together and be yeah. one thing? Yeah. And it, it was just uh, very synchronous. And uh, how do I distill all this information into what I'm supposed to do with life? Or yeah, yeah. My it's direction, you know, yeah. and direction goes here, direction goes there, yeah. you know, direction goes up, goes down. <laughs> And it, very confusing. And then it just, in 95 and 96, it all coalesced. And you were very much yeah. on the hero's journey, it sounds like. I guess you could say so, yeah. Uh, it certainly was taking taking leaps in life, uh, you know, in, in these different directions. I, you know, in high school, I always thought, well, you know, uh, I'd probably go to college, find uh, a direction there in terms of career. and. You know, get married and and mm. 
you know, go the, go that route. R relatively simple conservative view. And did know. that work out? No, not at all. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. And it was immediately uh, when I got into the the higher education environment, it was just interest in, in reading about all kinds of things, mm -hmm. traveling in the world, uh, exposing myself to as many things as possible. And even your PhD, I believe, uh, was some foundation to the self-questing work? Yeah, the well certainly. Oh yes, um, that in the in the, the PhD thesis itself, um, I examined um, ancient wisdom, religion, modern science in terms of quantum physics and chaos science. Oh wow! And then did from that it goes into a, a, a critique, a critique in a sense, uh, not necessarily being critical, but doing a review of some of the uh, the beginnings of psychology, you know, the, the history of it in, in Freud and psychoanalysis and, and in various expressions of, of psychology and, and yeah. types of it. Chaos science is, it sounds to me like it would be very much in alignment with what happens in trauma or major negative events or... Very much. There's a scattering. Yeah. And, and especially because it's the scattering of consciousness, mm -hmm. what, which in the system, in one's body, mind, energy, awareness system, the consciousness, the awareness, is the butterfly in Brazil that causes the tornado in Texas, you know, in the whole yeah. system. Very subtle, nonlinear, but when the system is in transition, it's those subtle things that really push it to huge shifts. Yes. And uh, even in the, the weekend, um, there were a group of us that learned how to do your method as well as experiencing mm -hmm. having the method and having you guide us through it and uh, the self-questing. And um, sometimes those parts that are in transition are, are not um, willing participants or not seeming to be willing participants. Yeah. They get a little prickly, a little yeah. bit like you know, put them up. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are defensive because they they tend to be fear-based, mm -hmm. more than tend to be. I would say virtually all of them are. Yeah. You know, the trauma that they went through and, and being forced to take on the form that they did mm -hmm. has made them fearful of re-experiencing that. The irony is that when consciousness takes on that form around that fear, it tends to manifest whatever it attaches to. Yeah. And if that's the fear in that kind of negative form, it tends to recreate and attract what resonates with that. Yep. And that's the, the glue of karma. Uh, almost like the, the unconscious belief is what's getting you your reality results, as well as the conscious beliefs. Yeah. And um, it reminds me a little bit of that scene in Goodwill Hunting when Robin Williams and Matt Damon and are having that critical moment and He's like, it's not your fault. It's not, and he, Matt Damon is like pushing him away. His part is getting really prickly and really defensive. And yeah. he like, knows he's digging into the, particularly the emotional aspect of it. But what he's really doing is bringing those things to light, those repressed elements of mind. Like the subconscious is starting yeah. to bubble up. Yeah, and the part's going, whoa, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure I want to visit that again. I've been doing just fine without you. Yeah. I mean, the purpose of defending against it to begin with was to try to protect. And, Absolutely. And oftentimes, I think people are doing what's optimal for them at the time, 
to be able to go on. It saved know, their cope. life. It helped them get through life to a certain extent until it yes. stopped working. Yes, yeah. and and that that's that's the situation that when when we fragment, there's a positive aspect to it in that it usually accomplishes what's intended by mm -hmm. protecting somehow, but there's always a negative result too. Disunity results in dis-ease on all of those levels of one's being. The identity, the awareness, this, the uh, subtle energy, mm -hmm. and then that becomes the infrastructure for the expression of that disease in the mind and the body, and even through what Jung called synchronicity, that connection between the psyche and outer world, it also extends into the outer world and how it manifests that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, when I was at a psychic school, we learned that um, those polarities, you might have one view this way and one view that way, and usually the solution was not on the continuum. The solution was just off. And, yeah. in, and I don't mean to call it the solution in your in your self-questing, but when you bring in that consciousness, it sort of, the polarities kind of don't matter? Well, you rise above the polarities mm -hmm. and you unite them, really. Uh, so you're, you're going to a higher, a higher place. You're in chaos theory, you're bifurcating to a higher place, yeah. rising above the conflicts of those polarities yeah. and coming into unity. And uh, it was it was a profound weekend. There was um, uh, you like to do small groups when you're doing a training. Yes. Uh, and uh, there was so much transformation and some tears and, <laughs> and shouting, and <laughs> <laughs> some avoidance, some embracing. You know all those kinds of things. And it was incredibly magical and transformative. And I, I'm just wondering, like, what is it like for you to host? workshops or to host clients um, you work with people all over the world sure yeah either in person or long distance yes it can be done over the phone unlike psychotherapy back when I practiced psychotherapy mm -hmm. there was nothing like Skype or that where you know you could have a face-to-face -face contact it was and, a good old-fashioned landline yeah and and that really didn't suit for psychotherapy you yeah. really needed to be person to person face to face yeah. uh, for that to work, um, but self-questing works in a different paradigm. Uh, you know, it's working again more with the consciousness mm -hmm. goes directly at that, rather than like in depth psychology where you're really trying to to develop what they call the narcissistic bond between the therapist and the client, and dive down in and you know work really trudge through it, mm -hmm. and that can take years. Yes. And my thing was, well, you know, that's like digging a ditch with a teaspoon. Why not, you know, there's a better tool. Why not go right to the source, the consciousness, yeah. and then you don't have to get lost in the story and the pain of it and the past. You, you touch on it. You have to know the who, what, where, when, and why, usually, to, to release uh, a trapped fragment of consciousness in, in, the, in the unconscious. But there's no need to swamp yourself in it and work through it. Uh, and I'm not saying that, that psychotherapy doesn't help people, it certainly does, but I think the necessary element is that in whatever process you use, you release that trapped awareness yeah. in the unconscious. And that's what self-questing goes directly into do. And you talk about that in, in your website and in the self-questing, that it's your birthright to be whole yes. and to feel like a whole person. and. I get the sense that you know we come in 
ideally at birth or maybe you know when we're uh, an embryo and developing that you know there's a that we come in more as a whole soul and then we get fractured well i think you can you can bring in fragments from from previous lives too <laughs> when i first started self questing i didn't have a uh, an opinion one way or the other about, about reincarnation mm -hmm. but i in the process of self questing we just go into the client and it's not like oh we're going to do a past life regression today it's not that kind of thing we just i just say where's the issue and we go in and and find the part and go wherever it it takes us mm -hmm. whatever times that'll be a past life yes wherever it needs to go wherever it leads i don't question it i just go with it because i've found when you do that when enough is known the part will almost automatically begin to release or you can you through that process you develop a rapport and enough knowing in the client and their their fragmented consciousness to invite the part to release and give it encouragement mm -hmm. and that's what you're doing is you're you're reconnecting it's sort of like reconnecting with a, a lost friend you know that it really is they have a being in their own right mm -hmm. and you need to develop a rapport and and a trust and an, and through encouragement and the way you you go through the, the the curious the curiosity drive if you will of of the method of investigation you can develop that rapport yeah. and connection again so that the part is confident then to to be willing to try that experiment of releasing into wholeness yes. and seeing for itself if that isn't a better place to be and you you had some tough cookies in your workshop this weekend and you just stayed so centered and i was one of them and <laughs> and it it reminded me a little bit of like the wolf and the little prince and the wolf is like um, you know, when you, I want you to pet my head, but when you pet my head, I'm going to bark at you and I'm going to growl and I'm going to want, you know, make you go away, but I want you to keep coming and petting my head. Yeah. And in that way you were setting it up to make friends with some of the parts and, right. um, and the encouragement that you were just talking about. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you had so many stories about, um, it, well, I have so much psychological information that sometimes I'm, I can be a really difficult client because I have so so much of that logic to like defend. Um, and your method is really patient with those kinds of things. It's like, oh yeah, mm -hmm, I'll be here if you want me. <laughs> well, you're, you're creating the space mm -hmm. so that all those different elements can come in uh, and have a place to be, have a place to come to awareness mm -hmm. in the client. And, and then from there, it's just a matter of, it's all just consciousness. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it's, it's really simple. Uh, but it really people, is. We make it complicated, right. you know, in, yeah. within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a definitely a product, uh, process of simplification, you know. And you had so many stories about people you've worked with around the world and over the years, you know, as clients or in workshops as practitioners. And what were some of the most um, intriguing cases or, or moments you've had doing self-questing, either with yourself or with, with clients or students? Well, I, I think uh, one of them uh, that I find myself quite remarkable is a client who... Um, came in and, and w in the investigation of her part, we found out that she had a grandmother that was um, 
very difficult to deal with as a child and who had never shown warmth to her. And um, in the process of, of releasing a part of her, there was a part of her grandmother in there too, and that was released. And, and that was a key point that someone can have other people's parts in them or yes. in their consciousness or kind yes. of wrapped up in the whole complex. Yes, typically people who uh, were significant at the time of trauma, yeah. but it can be almost anything, uh, any any type of consciousness. And this grandmother's very wrapped up in her, her treatment and her self-awareness. Yeah, in, in her psyche, in mm -hmm. this particular part, anyway. Anyway, the next day she flew home, she was from a, a, another country, and the next day she flew home to visit her mother. And her grandmother lived with her mother at the time. Mm -hmm. Her grandmother had become uh, quite debilitated, and typically, as my client described it, she sat in a wheelchair, and uh, usually just with her head down. Like and a catatonic went, state almost? Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and once in a while she'd look up at, at the TV set or something, but mostly, you know, not communicating. And uh, uh, my client was hanging the the curtains after helping her mother launder them uh -huh. on uh, one of the windows and standing on a on the couch and she saw her grandmother pick her head up and look at her and she thought that was really unusual so she looks over at her grandmother and her grandmother's uh, grandmother said said her name and said I know I've been cruel to you and I hope you can find it in you to forgive me Whoa. and then her head dropped right back down and so the way I would interpret that is that that, that part of the grandmother we sent back, mm -hmm. uh, you know, reintegrated or at least touched on her in some way and contributed to her, her grandmother's ability to do that because she had never done it before, according to my client. And that's got to feel really great to hear that, uh, that story from your it's client very to have her confirming. call you up and say, yeah. Craig, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. won't believe this. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what Grandma said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. and uh, That must have been one of those moments, I mean, I'm assuming or projecting a lot here, but was it one of those moments when you're like, yes, I'm doing what I came here to do? It, yeah, it gives you, I mean, it isn't, it, it, it seems like every release, you get the sense that what you're doing is really meaningful and sacred. It know? is, it's sacred work. Yes. Absolutely. And it because it's it's, I think, much deeper and quicker acting than anything I'd done before. Um, it's so rewarding. You don't get bogged down in the story and, and all the old pain and, and, you know, it moves. You know, when you're moving for the consciousness, it moves. And, and that doesn't mean you're stuffing feelings because the access to mm -hmm. repressed emotion and thought and and even sensation in the body is is very quick when you go to the source. Oh yeah. The causal level of consciousness of this weekend. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> you you had talked about this over the weekend and in, in your work, uh, that when someone comes into wholeness themselves and comes into full consciousness for themselves, uh, that it it lifts the collective. It lifts the planet, it lifts other people's consciousness. Yeah, I think you become someone even walking through the, the, the world more lit up in terms of their, their consciousness. 
uh, is a beacon to others, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, some, of course, will will have a negative reaction to that because Sometimes. their own fragmentation. Sure. Mm -hmm. oh, it's like, why did you change? I liked you how you were. Yeah, <laughs> you were, were predictable. Safer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the known is much more comfortable. Yes, to, brains to like what's familiar. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And fragments being fear-based, I think that's they the source like of that. Yeah. They would rather live in the painful illusion of the known than take the risk of stepping into the unknown. Wow. And that was a quote you had about um, the child, the good child in the bad world, and the bad child in the good world. Don, Donald that. Winnicott, uh, psychiatrist, mm -hmm. uh, very famous psychiatrist, he, he, he noted that it's, it's easier to be a bad child in a good world mm -hmm. than a good child in a bad world. Because if you're a good child in a bad world, you know that you you're relatively absorb. powerless to do anything about a bad world mm -hmm. and ever get what you need. And so to accept that is to accept hopelessness, you know? And so instead you say, I'm the thing that's bad, then you don't have to change the world. It's a little more world. empowering. It gives you more hope. Strangely. Yeah, well, yeah. it's, it's the, the illusion of hope. And somewhere you know you didn't, you didn't cause it, right. you know, the abuse or whatever. Because a lot of people yet, during abuse will, will think, oh, I'm bad, or they'll take on whatever, right. you know, like someone being hurt by an adult. I caused the abuse, yeah. even. Because yeah. the adults are making the rules, so clearly I must be wrong. Yes. Or bad, or... Yeah. Yeah. And so your view really has so much compassion and understanding of that yeah. know, in this... And, and that's one of the things that as people release these parts of themselves, um, they come to realize, well, I'm not so bad. In fact, I'm, I look pretty good. I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a pretty nice guy or I girl. I convinced myself and, for a long time yeah. I was bad. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not that bad. I mean, your I'm whole per <laughs> perception and perspective mm -hmm. shifts. And uh, I think it shifts in a way that's closer to reality. Mm -hmm to be able to see not only the beauty of yourself, but you see your, the outer world in much the way, the same way you, you see yourself. And so you're seeing the beauty of the world too. And it becomes beauty with a capital B. And you were talking about multiple levels, like um, multiple levels of experience all at the same time, how people have these, you know, nirvana or enlightened or transcendental experiences when sometimes when they go through self-questing, they're experiencing the body consciousness, the rational, um, logical, mental consciousness, the mm -hmm. uh, spirit consciousness, the soul consciousness, and even the collective. Yes. If I'm yeah. saying it. Even the collective correctly. unconscious, as Jung saw it. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, sometimes there'll be fragments of the collective unconscious that resonate with the same pain of the client yeah. and the part that what you're working on. Mm -hmm. And when that's released, I, I think it helps everyone. Just like it helped that grandmother of, of the client. Mm -hmm. uh, you it know, changed your body about. in the moment. Yeah, well there's another excellent uh, uh, situation I can share there where uh, I ran into a woman uh, at a, a cleansing retreat uh, where I was doing my own fast and she had been there for a couple of years or a couple of weeks mm -hmm. uh, fasting and, and uh, hoping that that would help her through um, a situation where she was experiencing what's called Meniere's disease, where mm -hmm. yeah. you get quite dizzy yeah. quite often. And she was having 18 or so, I think she said, uh, 
um, uh, spells a day was yeah. so bad she had to actually lie down. And um, that's a tough uh, one. We had a a, a session uh, that that got into a, a fragment of consciousness around that and released it. And she from that day and I this was gee um, thirteen years ago I think it was, wow. and. Um, from that day, she never had another uh, dizzy spell. But it was something mm -hmm. in her unconsciousness expressing itself in this dizziness. From, this the, from the trauma, she had had a, an accident um, uh, with a, a motorcycle, mm -hmm. and uh, it injured her head, and uh, she, she was still had this, this Meniere's was uh, something coming out of it, and it very much debilitated her practice. Yeah. And, um, she had tried many other modalities. She was a medical doctor, an allopath, and so very she well had a connected. Lot at her disposal. Yeah, very well connected yeah. with with um, modern allopathic medicine, and and obviously had tried other alternative sure. approaches too, because she was at a a vegan fasting clinic, mm -hmm. you know, uh, trying to be healed. Um, and so you see things like that, and you realize, you know, that power. the power of consciousness to mm -hmm. affect the body mind. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wondered if we could get into uh, your books. Um, this is sure. your first book, um, or is am I getting the order no, correct? No, you got it This is the right. first one that yes. you wrote. This was a spinoff from my my dissertation. Um, and it's uh, Freud's innuendo and jazz. Jazz Yamshid's <laughs> Yamshid's Cup, yes. the postmodern quest for self in the shadow of the Newtonian world, yes. by Greg Hitter. And um, what? So, uh, if someone wants to get their hands on this book, what what might be a preview? Um, well, first of all, they could they could connect with me and get a copy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a preview of it. Um, well, I, I described a little bit earlier what I did wrote in my dissertation as far as a review of, of ancient wisdom yes. that leads into consciousness, uh, and then modern science, yes. and then sort of a survey of, of psychology and science, quantum physics and chaos science, that, that really, uh, uh, I think, helps lead one to understand mm -hmm. uh, consciousness and its power. And then at the end of the book, I go into uh, different consciousness-based approaches to to healing, to becoming whole in the conscious consciousness in oneself and one sentient being, sentient meaning self-aware, mm -hmm. and through that wholeness of awareness, you know, connecting with these parts of the self, yeah. and bringing them out into freely radiant conscious oneness with the with the conscious self. And through that wholeness, creating, uh, you know, holiness, a sacred, meaningful life, health, you know, well-being in, in terms of the body, uh, and wealth, and um, uh, and it's sort of a wellness. roadmap leading to self-questing. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So and if you really want to get into the background and the. The, the underpinnings. This is your book. Uh, yes, very much. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And and then your second book, um, Butterflies in a Bottle, uh, which is a really intriguing title as well. Um, how essential oils free the emotional self 
and liberate the body mind. Um, and your, um, I, I know that you have this background in quantum physics, uh, and you use the healing oils uh, all day. And mm. what I understand from um, people that grow the flowers in Germany and um, people that are into the more natural medicines is that there is a sacred chemistry to yes. the oils and yes. you use them knowing or with a, a mindset for why that oil will do a particular thing. Right. I, I think that they were created for the purpose of assisting us to come into wholeness and wellness. And uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. They're more, I think, than just a chemistry. Mm -hmm. They're a vibrational tool. Yeah to help us come into well into balance, balance mm -hmm. on that level, that morphogenic field, mm -hmm. that level of energy that manifests out of consciousness, that then in turn becomes the infrastructure directing the mind and the body. So it really supports <clears throat> the work, or can support Oh, very much, topics. yeah. I found as soon as I started using essential oils after a release of, of trapped awareness mm -hmm. in these fragments, as I mm -hmm. call them, um, I noticed that the integration of that wholeness on the level of consciousness into the body, the mind, the energy, that that, that became much easier and much quicker, uh, much quicker. Um, and uh, I think that speaks to the fact that these oils do operate on that level of energy, right, as the interface between consciousness and the body-mind and even the outer world. Yeah, almost like an easier way to go between <clears throat> dimensions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, like consciousness, is on all level. <clears throat> excuse me, all the levels mm -hmm. of, of one's being um, because it's, it's the energy, it's the, the morphogenic field. And it's a sacred healing vibration that supports the sacred work. And that's the vibration the that, that's uh, been put in these plants, you know, where the oils are the lifeblood of that, it carries that vibration. And you get the right oil and it can really powerfully help with that integration, which previously <clears throat> had taken much more time to accomplish. And it wasn't as clear to me when I wouldn't use the, uh, when I wasn't using the oils, it wasn't as clear to me during that process of integration, which which sometimes would take a couple of weeks, yeah, um, that is that another part coming up and expressing itself, or you know, is that the integration of this wholeness into the body mind? You know, mm -hmm. because that integration is a healing process, and it would precipitate healing crises. You know, and whether that's emotional and conflicts with significant other and mm -hmm. uh, others in the li in their life, and or whether it was a physical, you know, healing crisis and and some pain and disease in that, or whether it was another part expressing itself yeah. through the system. And it really, it's a gift that keeps <clears throat> on giving the self-questing and the the oils. Um, because you're having this transformation in the moment, and it keeps giving days, mm. hours, days, weeks, months after. Well, I think it keeps giving permanently because you've removed that, mm -hmm. that element of dis-ease, the, the thing that's behind it all. Right. And you've created a wholeness that's behind the healing and the, the wellness. 
And it's interesting, if you look in a good English dictionary, if you look up words like holy, hallowed, halo, if you look up words like health and heal, or well and wellness, or even wealth, these words, you know, usually in a dictionary you, you get the root word they all mm -hmm. come from. Right. And that word in the English language is whole. And in, in Celtic, halig. And that speaks to wholeness, not so much as a mystical term, vague and mystical, mm -hmm. but, but that has a specific connection to these other words. And somewhere along the line in, in the um, evolution of Western civilization and the English language, we've lost track of that connection between having a holy, sacred right. life and being whole in one's, one's consciousness, mm -hmm. one's soul, one's spirit, you know, and, and so how true. being healthy or well or having well-being uh, is, is associated with that wholeness too. And Greg, you're such a treasure of information. You know so much about so many topics, and then you've you know, brought that all into a central way to help people become whole for mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure people who are watching would love to know how they can get a session with you, how they can learn more about your work, how they can perhaps even invite you to host a <coughs> workshop in their part of the world. Um, can, can you let us know how? Um, sure. Well, I know it's uh, selfquesting.com. It yes. <laughs> would be a on, great place to start. On the World start. Wide Web, www.selfquesting.com. Mm -hmm. uh, or they can feel free to call me at 805-781-0309. Uh, and uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll offer a, uh, in fact, I always, if I remember it, mm -hmm. offer a just a 10-minute consultation where we get to know each other to over the phone. see if it's right, if yeah. it's a good fit. And, and I can share uh, the self-questing process with them. Mm -hmm. They get to know me a little bit better, and I can share maybe with them uh, how uh, uh, wholeness on the level of consciousness might translate into wellness in the rest of their, their, their body, their mind, their being, and their, their outer life. And you're well. living proof of the results and yes. Um, yes. the self-questing work because you yeah. used it for yourself yeah. and then brought it to others. Yeah, and, and I'm happier now than I've ever been in life, uh, partly because this is such a meaningful work, yeah. you know, and, uh, but also because I'm whole and I'm free. And, um, you know, I had a, a, a client in England, a psychiatrist, have a session with me, very intellectual fellow, very bright, mm -hmm. very learned. And uh, after the first session, he came back, and just before the second session, he said to me, you know, I always thought that my quest in life was for truth. And you could tell he had really engaged in that process. <laughs> he had looked for some truth. Because he was, he was <laughs> very learned, mm -hmm. you know. But he said, after the last session, and when that part released and the experience I had, he said, I realize now my search is for beauty, with a capital B. And, yeah. and that's what it's about. It's really about, self-questioning is about giving one an experience of themselves, of that whole, a greater wholeness of consciousness. And that's our birthright. If you can retrieve that wholeness, that lost yeah. spirit, if you will, you, your perception of life 
of others, of the dog, the cat, the kid, um, the nature. Uh, it's it just to be able to see and appreciate it, and be oh, yeah. with that beauty and with that truth. You see it in in greater and greater color. You know, yeah. Technicolor and Panavision. <laughs> you know, really beautiful. Yeah. And maybe some IMAX too. <laughs> Absolutely, bigger and better. <laughs> and, and you're living your work. It's I mean yeah, even, even just you know sitting with you and being able to be in your workshop your your energy is so clear your eyes are so clear your spirit is so clear and very clear on um what it is you're here to do and you're you're yeah. you're living the message you're just kind of exuding the message that's yeah. been my experience with oh, you thank you yeah. and thank you for the work and thank you for the workshop and for traveling around and um to different parts of the world to share your information and people can also find you right in your own office on the west coast and yes. be able to have a phone call with you and um, if they want to pick up your books and I'm going to get this title right Freud's Innuendo in Yum Sheed's Cup excellent thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, or if they want to get butterflies in a bottle or both and could they do that on your website uh, they could. Where's yes. the best place for them to? Yes. Would that be the website? Yes. Uh, I don't have a web store as such, but uh, they'll get they'll get my contacts <laughs> or my email, and they can connect with me that way, and I'll get that out, get that out to them. Great. And yeah. I just think even having the book, it's like it's just healing because <laughs> it's got your energy in it. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for being a guest today on Word Up. And My pleasure. Again, if you want to have a session with Greg, www.self with a capital S, selfquesting.com. And uh, if they want to reach out to you by phone, I'll let you say that. 805-781-0309. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Greg, for being such a lovely guest full of so much rich information and for living, living your path and sharing your path with all of us. My pleasure. This weekend and all of us around the world and now all of us on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye.